back with another episode of Chat GPG, where we delve into the world of AI and its impact on business, culture, and society. And this week, we got some very exciting stories that we're going to dive into, but we're going to be unpacking a new app that just rolled out that's giving the power of a variety of different AI models into the hands of millions. We're going to talk about one research lab's impact in the world of biology and just science. And then we'll delve in, dive into a few tools that will help creators create more high quality work. And without wasting any more time, let's get into the first story. Yeah, let's do it. I had a really fun time digging into this Quora story. So have you, first off, have you ever used Quora before? Are you familiar with the product? Are you, are you a user? I'm familiar, but it's not a product that I use quite frequently. So a little bit of okay. introduction. So I'll give some backstory. So Quora was started back in 2009 by Adam D'Angelo, who was one of the founders of Facebook or Meta today. So he goes way back in the tech ecosystem and Quora has been around just as long as Reddit has been around. Actually, I think it started a year after Reddit around that time. And really at its most basic fundamental use case, it is a simple way for users to collaborate by editing questions and commenting on answers submitted by other users. So think about it like, hey, you wanna know, you know, what's the best where for you to download on your new gaming PC, for example. And so you may yeah. have other people who are in the community who may be experts in that space, who may be able to provide some context. Or maybe you have a question about combining your taxes because you just got married. Similar thing. Mm. So you can get some expert opinions, multiple opinions for specific questions. They have over 400 million monthly active users, which is insane. Wow. I didn't even know they were that. I didn't even know they were doing numbers like that. That's pretty good. And in December, they publicly announced a poll, which is a new mobile app that leverages AI uh, to answer questions for users. So instead of having to mm. post a question and wait for a human expert to respond in maybe 30 minutes, or three hours or three days, you can now get an instant answer to your question. And so they publicly announced it through a private testing, through a private beta in December. But just in the first week of February, they did a public release of Poe. So Poe is now available in the App Store for download. So, so this is iOS, Android? So it's only on iOS right now. They will okay. be releasing on Android soon, according to a press release by the CEO. But right now they're really just focused on iOS, which is pretty typical in app releases these days. But it is available right now. You can go and you can download it, create an account, and you can start posting questions. But what I really took away from just reading about the, the announcement of Poe, but also reading the press release from the CEO, is how he's actually thinking about Poe in a grander context of core strategy. And so there's a couple mm. takeaways. So one is that Poe essentially is serving as a next iteration for what Quora will start to look like. And so Poe essentially is a research tool that they're putting out into the wild and using that as like a testing ground to test how users will use it, what type of content will it create. And their goal is to basically take content created by Poe and redistribute that content back onto Quora. So as I mentioned, mm. let's say you post a question on Quora, Instead of having to wait 30 minutes or three hours or whatever the case, you can imagine you can start getting instantaneous answers directly on Quora. So those 400 million mm -hmm. users that are already engaged in, now you can imagine the type of the amount of content that they can get created just starts to skyrocket, which I think is pretty interesting. Um, no, so it's acting as a, a, a content growth areas. The other takeaway that I took away from it was that Poe is powered by models created by both OpenAI and Anthropic. And so their belief, according to the press release by Adam Delangelo, their belief is that you know there will be a large number of models available in the future, right? And different models will be optimized for different use cases and scenarios. 
and some will have access to some data that is proprietary to organizations that other organizations don't have access to. So you can imagine Quora has a big knowledge graph of over 400 million users that are asking and answering questions every single day in every month. And so that's a lot of information that is proprietary in Quora. And so you can imagine like what they can do with that information within any product they release. Uh, but what takes it even a step further is that they're opening up Poe to developers. And so developers will now be able to see the content that's created on Poe. They'll also be able to access information via an API and plug their yeah. own models into Poe. And so again, leveraging that massive knowledge base that Quora has been building up since 2009 and allowing any, any developer who has the skill set to basically tap into that vast knowledge base. And so super interesting what's happening over there at Quora. No, a hundred percent, bro. Just thinking about core too, there's that content like growth engine, but also there's that data flywheel that's being created where they can train the AI on all those answers coming from those 400 million users yeah. they get a month. But also like the API, that is so huge because I think what the founder, his perspective on AI is pointing to is this idea of instead of there just being like this large AGI, so general intelligence is going to be more narrow. Yep. And I think that's going to be very intriguing because Cora is in a position either one to provide that training data through their API or two provide these potential startups or anybody who creates a model access to 400 million people to test it. That's exciting to say. It that. is. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah, we'll excited. We're excited to see where it goes. Go ahead and download it from the app store and start playing around with it. And uh, yeah, give us some feedback on it. Not 100%. So for our next story, want to dive a little bit into a company that many may are not familiar with just because they're on the other side of the pond. They're over there in London. They've been doing their thing, but they've been having a ton of impact in the science community over there, but also in Asia. And that company is DeepMind. So a little backstory about DeepMind, their research lab that was founded by Demis Sasabis. Definitely go check out uh, some of his YouTube videos and podcasts. Uh, very intriguing, very brilliant guy. And the thing I found interesting about him is he used to be ranked, he was the number two chess player growing up in the world. And then he just gave it up and went into the world of video games and neuroscience and things of that nature. But he founded DeepMind in 2010. They were acquired by Google in 2015. And so their approach to AI versus an open AI is they're very huge advocates of using reinforcement learning in video games to build these AI systems. So they're not actually putting them out there into the wild and testing it on people. They're doing it in like these virtual assimilations. And one of the reasons why is you can think of reinforcement learning similar to training your dog. Right. If your dog does something good, you give it a treat. If it does something bad, you probably punish it. That's what they're doing there. And then video games allow you to basically train the AI a lot faster. Now, the things that I found very interesting about DeepMind was there's three big contributions that they've made to the field of artificial intelligence so far that have done like crazy numbers. And so one is in relation to a board game called Go. I'll, I'll unpack that a little bit. And then the other one is in relation to like proteins, which is very important. And then like energy. But in 2016, they created this algorithm called AlphaGo, and it was basically an AI that played the Chinese game Go, which I didn't even know at the time, but there's 40 million people in the world that play it, and it's taught in every wow. school in China. Like, it's required similar to, like, math, and they use it as a signal of, like, intelligence and just, like, mind power. So the higher ranked in Go you are in China, the more intelligent you're seen. And... Essentially, they created this algorithm in 2016, 
that was able to play against it and beat the number one player in the world. And what was fascinating about that as well was not only the achievement of being able to do that, but 200 million people watched that match live hmm. compared to think about this, the past Super Bowl that just happened between the Eagles and Chiefs, there was 113 million people that watched that Super Bowl. So more people watch this AI play against this human. But over here in the United States, we didn't hear about it. If we're going to be honest, we did. And then their second huge accomplishment is AlphaFold, which this is an open source project that they rolled out to like biologists back in 2020. But essentially it's focused on human proteins. And the thing about human proteins is there's over 200 million of them, but scientists have only been able to identify the structures of a few like tens of thousands. And they're like, proteins are essential to solving disease, like cures, things of that nature. And so essentially they created this new algorithm called AlphaFold that literally now can predict every single structure of every single protein that exists. So they can predict wow. 200 million proteins. And so a lot of biologists are starting to use that to speed up their research, like medical production, which obviously come with like high costs. But my takeaways from this, here's this company that may not be as public facing as like an open AI, it may not be wooing consumers, but in the background, they're having a huge impact when it comes to things like life science and like what the future of intelligence is going to look in the world. And I think this is the company that people should be paying attention to because right now on the other side of the pond, as I like to say, there are some brilliant people doing some great work that, you know, eventually is going to make its way over here to the States. Yeah, no, that's a phenomenal company to touch on. I remember when they were releasing some of like the videos of it playing chess or it playing, mm -hmm. this is back in the day, I was like shocked. Like it was like incredibly fascinating to me. And I was studying computer science when I was in college. So maybe that was like one of the reasons why I was drawn to it. And then there's a Netflix, I think it's a Netflix or HBO. There's some documentary out there. I don't know what. Yeah, it's on YouTube. You can find it on YouTube. Okay. Yeah. That I watched and I was like blown away. So yeah, I'm glad we covered that. That's a company everybody should be following. A hundred percent. What's our next story? So diving into the next story, before I even get into this, so we record two podcasts every single week where we have video content. And so that adds up to hours of video content a month that we are, are accumulating and it has to be edited. And so you can just imagine even on our very small scale, the time, the time and process it goes into to get that editing just right. And so there's a company that just announced their seed funding called Capsule. They just closed $4.5 million in seed funding for AI-powered video editing. And so I was super excited to hear this because, again, we have a podcast where we are producing our own video content. So I'm always looking for ways to shortcut our own process. But then I started diving deeper into the founding story and deeper into exactly what their vision is. And I found it incredibly fascinating. So a little bit about the backstory. The company Capsule was started by a team who had built two previous companies. One of those companies was in the social space and the other mm -hmm. company was in the marketing live event space. And so both of those companies ultimately failed. The one in the live event space really fizzled out during COVID, obviously. And then the one in the social space lost to Instagram and Facebook and some of those other platforms that were really taken off back in 2012, 2013. And so the team had to ultimately pivot. And so they decided to pivot to Capsule. And Capsule initially was just a platform for brands to create video content with their community in the form of a Q&A. So let's imagine you're like a Procter & Gamble 
and you have Tide and you want to ask your customers, how has Tide helped you change how you do laundry, for example? Let's just say that's a, a question that Procter & Gamble wants to ask Tide consumers. Capsule made it incredibly easy for Procter & Gamble to be able to send a link to be able to form the question, create the content around the question, send a link to a customer, allow that customer to record their answer and then allow PNG to then distribute that on, on Instagram, on Facebook, on TikTok, any other platform. So make it really that's pretty easy. Dope. It is very dope. And you can imagine as a consumer, actual testimonials or actual content from actual customers, you can just imagine how that can just invoke your buying behavior. And so it's an incredibly useful product. And their main business model is around charging enterprise companies. So like I mentioned Procter & Gamble as an example, charging enterprise companies who want to create video content for social or any channel, but really don't want to build out these massive in-house production teams because it is incredibly expensive to do production end-to-end, -end, especially at an enterprise scale. And so they have customers like Salesforce, customers like TED, the tech, the company mm. that does like the public speaking, and then Snowflake. So they have some really big enterprise companies and their marketing team and our communications team are really the two teams they target primarily. But my takeaways from really diving into this company is one, you know, a lot of companies that we study are really tackling the model space. Like we just talked about DeepMind, who was doing some incredible yeah. work there. We spent a lot of time talking about OpenAI. We spent time talking about Anthropic, right? A lot of these companies that are going deep on the model side, this company has zero interest in owning any of the models. But instead, what they believe is in bringing together the best fundamental, the best foundational models that can make the job of a video creator 10 or 100x more productive, right? And so it goes back to that same thesis that the core CEO has is that, hey, in the future, there are going to be many models available. And so this isn't about what, this isn't about necessarily using one model or two models, really is about finding the best model to solve your specific use case. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I took away from this, from my research into the company was that according to a HubSpot report, demand for short form video is expected to skyrocket in 2023 compared to 2022 and 2021. And 90% mm -hmm. of marketers, when HubSpot did a survey, 90% of marketers said they plan to maintain the current spend that they're spending on their video production or they plan to increase that investment. And so companies want mm -hmm. to create more short form video content or at least maintain the spend that they're currently spending at. So they find some validity in that form of content. As Capsule sees a massive gap in the demand for this content, in the supply of talent that can produce this high quality, these high quality videos without an exorbitant cost, which these enterprise companies have been spending so far. And so they're going after these enterprise companies, which again, they have been spending a lot of money to produce this content and none of the existing solutions have really served them well. A lot of the solutions have served maybe some smaller startups or just folks that are smaller content creators, but haven't really solved it at the enterprise level, which at that level, sometimes the needs of those customers are just fundamentally different. Right. And their flagship product right now is an AI-driven post-production video editing software. So it allows these enterprise companies to upload their video content in the cloud collaborate on that content like you would with Figma or any other cloud, cloud mm. software and really streamline up, edit that post-production process down by, by a factor of 10 to 100 sometimes. They, and they're using models like automated speech recognition for transcribing those videos. And then they're using a diffusion model for generating B-roll images based on that transcript. And so they're doing some fascinating stuff. Now that's uh, pretty cool. For, 
it is very cool. I was like, when I saw that, I was like, actually, that's a good idea for us to do. Um, they on mobile? I don't think they're on mobile yet. I think they're primarily brow- browser-based. So you can probably okay. access some of the content on, but like the editing and probably the, the raw power probably happens mainly on desktop, but I'm not sure. But I definitely want to try it out because I can see us using it. But anyway, I love that company. I love what they're doing. It's called Capsule. Definitely check it out. They're making video production so much more easier, which I think in the world that we're going in with short form is totally needed. Um, because it's been so expensive and time-consuming thus far. They're putting the whole video editing team into everyone's pocket, basically, uh, at a fractional of a cost and a fractional of the time. That's a great business to be in. And I think another trend just taken away from this cheat code is this idea of cons- basically these there being as many models as possible, and they're eventually going to be able to do a handful of tasks really well. I think that's a trend that folks should definitely start to pick up on. For our last cheat code here, um, this one is called Magical Tone. And it's continuing down this line of empowering creators to be able to tell their stories. And they're specifically focused on doing that through presentations. So you can think of if you're working in corporate and you need to create a deck that reviews data, you can quickly go to Magical Tome, type in a few prompts, and it will literally create the whole outline, each slide content, add images, et cetera, et cetera. And if you upload your own images, such as charts and things of that, it will plug them in exactly where they need to be. And it was originally started by two guys that they used to be PMs at IG, but they've basically grown the company to be a serious A company. They recently raised $26 million from Greylock and KOTU, two heavy hitters in the space as well. But they're doing some dope things, and I've used them a few times just to work on a few different decks that I needed. And it got me 80% of the way there and I could just wow. edit my way to the other 20%. And so I definitely recommend checking out that cheat code. No, that's a good one. I got a deck to work on right now. Low key. Definitely <laughs> check that out after the podcast, man. That was a good, that was a good recommendation for sure. A hundred percent, man. That's all for this week. Definitely be on the lookout for next week's episode. Any last minute things? Nope. That's it, man. We'll see you on the next one. Bye.